for the one standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them. We are Granger, your experienced safety partner. Offering supplies and solutions for every industry. Committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com slash safety or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to today's podcast brought to you by U.S. Bank. Imagine a world where your moneymaker is your hobby. Well, you won't have to. U.S. Bank takes pride in being the extra push people need to turn their dream job into reality. With friendly advice, setting realistic goals, and being there, supporting them with every step in their journey, just like a friend or partner would. It's time to turn your side gig into something bigger. U.S. Bank. We'll get there together. Now let's tune into today's episode. With baseball in full swing and the NBA playoffs off to a hot start, you can make each and every series matter by having a little bit of something-something in the game with MyBookie.ag. Regardless of whether you're betting favorites or underdogs, player prop bets, or just looking to make some cash, MyBookie gives you tons of options to make all your favorite matches a hell of a lot more exciting. And if you're looking to bet for the first time but don't know what to bet on, we're here to help point you in the right direction. For example, say you see an NBA series in which the team that had been favored is suddenly down 0-1. But you know they're the better team. You know they're going to come back. But suddenly, the series price is a whole lot more attractive now that they're down 0-1. Well, go to mybookie.ag, fire in on that one, and make some sweet coin if it comes home. And if it doesn't, guess what? There's more NBA playoffs to come and football after that. Go to mybookie.ag, sign up now, and use promo code ZABE to get your first deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Let them know we sent you. Use our promo code ZABE to get that free deposit bonus and start your day off with a win. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Today on the ZABEcast, the world of sports had one hell of a weekend. All of the joy, the wonder, the heartbreak, and the bizarre came flooding back across our TV screens, and it was glorious. The Bucks are through, so too the Hawks, Clippers, and Suns, and we haven't had a champion amongst this group in ages. John Rahm wins the U.S. Open, and there's a whole lot more. Your bonus, 30 minutes of me, is locked and loaded, so buckle the hell up and let's go! This is huge, Jim! Sure was indeed as John Rahm wins the U.S. Open with a hammer finish, a birdie, birdie close to send Louis Oosthuizen once again to the runner-up circle. Hello and welcome everybody and thank you for downloading and my sincere apologies for not delivering a podcast on Friday. I know Thursday of last week got away from me. I was very busy Thursday. In fact, I can't remember exactly what I was doing other than that we spent Thursday night down at the Deer District watching the Bucks win game six 
to then send the series to Game 7, which you now know about from Saturday night, which was a whole nother story altogether. What a time for me to be up here in Milwaukee with my new family at 97.3 The Game and everyone involved. It is pinch yourself exciting to think the Bucks are through, the Nets are in the dust heap, and the Hawks, I'm in my hotel room right now, I just watched the Hawks polish off the Sixers. So, home court advantage in this series goes to the Bucks by way of the better seed in the postseason. I'm not predicting that Atlanta's going to be an easy mark. I respect Trey Young, but man, did the Sixers throw this series away. Wow. Number one seed that loses three home games in a best of seven. Or actually two home games. No, I think it was three home games. I got to look that that up. Big leads blown as well. It was a disaster for them. But the Bucks winning was something else. You know, I said on here last week, I said, you know, faith by definition is believing in something you can't see. It's believing in something that you have no reason to believe. And there were so many moments in that game seven for the Bucks in which you sat there, I sat there watching it at the fabulous Maddie's uh, in, I think it's technically New Berlin. And I'm saying to myself, this is not going to go well. I can see this thing ending the way this thing ends. But then stuff started to happen. The Bucks had more resiliency than the Nets. They stayed in the fight, and they figured out a way to get it done. There were so many key, big moments down the stretch. But, of course, it came down to an inbound play with 2.1 seconds to go at the end of regulation, or 2.1 on the shot clock. Bucks are inbounding. There's 8.1 seconds left in the game, and the Bucks are up two. They throw it into the corner to, corner to Brooke Lopez, who, by the way, is the Nets' all-time leading scorer in franchise history. Think about that for a second. And they, they throw it to him, and instead of turning and shooting, which would be a good idea because there's only two seconds left on the shot clock, you got to get it up, he inexplicably turns away from the basket, tries to pass it to a teammate, shot clock expires. Oh, my God. We were saying watching that play, you know, if he just throws it up and draws iron, that's all. Just draws the littlest of iron. The game is basically over. You inbound with 2.1 left on the shot clock. Let's say he shoots it with one. So there's one second gone. Now the game clock is down from 8.1 to 7. It's two seconds in the air. It's another two seconds to rebound if it's a miss. Now we're down to what? Five seconds left in the game? I said, well, okay, maybe if it's a clean rebound, the game is not over. But it would probably be a long rebound if it draws iron wildly. Hell, he might make it. My point is, that mistake was starting to look like another version of Brandon Bostic trying to go for the onside kick for the Packers in the NFC Championship game against the Seahawks. A mistake that you say to yourself, what are you doing it looked like he was going to be the kind of catastrophic mistake on the 
level of fourth and 26 for the Packers against the Eagles on the road in the playoffs. I know I'm bringing all these painful moments up because that is the lived experience of Milwaukee and Wisconsin fans for years. They had said, Zabe, you, I know you've, you've gotten up to speed on our teams and everything in our history, but you haven't lived it like us. And more recently, the Game 7, NLCS against the Dodgers. I go, I know. I watched it. My heart broke with yours in sympathy. Oh, but you don't remember back in 82? And I'm like, I know I don't remember, but I know about it. But you're not the only fan base that has had close calls. This is why we love sports. This is why we do it, because... When your team does dig down and they are the more resilient team and the breaks go their way and not just that, but maybe they deserve to win, which I think the Bucks absolutely positively deserved to win. It's glorious. It is so glorious. The redemption, the perseverance, and everything else was on display and the Bucks are through. Wow. Turns out that Kevin Durant's feet being size 16, not size, say, 14 and a half. All the difference in the world. Can you imagine, Buck fans, if that turnaround long two from Durant to tie the game and send it to overtime, imagine if it was a three. And by the way, I was as sure as the sun rising in the east that he was going to hit a three to do just that. But it didn't. All the things that could have happened didn't. And the Bucks were the ones that prevailed. Man, was that fun to watch. So many heroes in that game. I'm going to talk a lot about it this morning. As you may be uh, waking up and downloading this podcast, I will be over there on 97.3 The Game talking about the uh, game in great detail and all the nuances of it as they head towards the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay. By the way, some numbers in this series. 9-0. That was the home team's record in the previous nine meetings, regular season and postseason. The Bucks went against that, and they made it 9-1 with the win. 53. The number of minutes played by Kevin Durant, who clearly was exhausted. And it showed on the final shot in overtime that could have tied it or won it, that was an air ball. 79%. What's that number? The percentage that home teams win game sevens across the board all time in the NBA. That's a strong trend. The Bucks overcame it. 48. That's the most points anybody's had in a game seven in NBA history. Kevin Durant. One for 12. That was the net shooting in overtime. 14 to 1. What's that number? That was the number of free throws for Giannis compared to everyone else on the Bucks team at one point. This, by the way, was deep in the fourth quarter. And at one point, it was just Giannis 14 free throw attempts, one free throw attempt for every other Bucks player. That seems normal. In fact, two prominent, I would say, NBA enthusiasts, pundits, whatever, basically said, hmm, okay. Nick Wright, FS1, 
Every time a net drives to the basket, there's a foul called. Meanwhile, aside from Giannis, there have been precisely zero fouls on any Bucks free field goal attempts the entire game, at least according to these officials. Jalen Rose, ESPN. Nets getting every 50-50 ball. Oh, I'm sorry. I mean every whistle. Wow. To which I responded, when you lose Jalen Rose, dot, dot, dot. That should tell you something right there. But they found a way to get it done. And James Harden, by the way, somebody had a good tweet. I don't have it in front of me. But basically, I can say this now, that James Harden is everything that's wrong with the NBA, and I hope they stomp out through the rules committee all the dumb shit he does. But I have total respect for Kevin Durant. Ding, ding, ding. I echo that sentiment. Exactly. James Harden is a great shooter and I guess a great NBA player, but you can have him. Because I don't care that he played with what was a grade two tear of his hamstring and not just a tight hamstring. That was revealed after the series was over. You don't play stupid basketball and get you should not get rewarded for it. For example, here's your bad and hard here's your bad Harden down the stretch. It's 98-94 Brooklyn. They're starting to put their arm around this game. There's 4.36 left. They get a turnover, and Harden decides to throw a terrible balloon outlet pass 50 feet in the air that's easily picked off by Middleton, who's playing center field. What are you doing? This is not some pickup game. This is not summer league. Game seven, it's on the line. That turned into a Giannis drive and spin and a layup. Hell Hell of a move. Then there was the play in which uh, Middleton made a steal. They come down the court the other side, and Harden commits a stupid, easy, obvious-to-spot foul, putting his arm in the back of Middleton in the corner, well away from the basket, not even a threat to shoot at the time. He just tried to do one of his typical Harden bullshit things. And by the way, it was Harden who committed a turnover as well down the stretch in which he tried this kind of no-look head fake pass to a cutting Bruce Brown, and it did not fool Brooke Lopez. By the way, redemption? You want redemption? How about Brooke Lopez knowing he screwed up on the two seconds left of the shot clock play, but then coming back in overtime for the biggest block of the game on a driving Kevin Durant layup? It's beautiful. But anyway, back to Harden. Harden was two for 12 from three-point land, and one of them was banked in at the end of the uh, shot clock. Basically luck. He had another play in which he thought, oh, I'm going to pretend like I'm getting fouled out here on a simple ball screen 25 feet away from the basket and jump up in the air and then throw my arms up because that's what his game has become. He had four turnovers in the game, committed two bad fouls late, Again, you can have him. Now, is he as bad as Ben Simmons, who passed up a zero-footer against the Hawks in Game 7? He's better than Ben Simmons, but I honestly believe James Harden's never going to win in this league. He's not going to. You put him on any team you want, including a super team, they're not going to win. Now, if Kyrie had stayed healthy... If Harden's hamstring was healthy, eh, that seems pretty darn good. But guess what? It didn't work out that way. 
Was it a great game, this Game 7? Well, Seth Greenberg, ESPN, says, why won't anyone say what the game was last night? Bad basketball. Was it physical? Yes. Almost old-school physical. Not well-officiated in terms of how games are today. The execution was awful. Sure, guys made tough shots, but the quality of play was brutal, hard to watch at NBA. That's that's a college guy in Seth Greenberg saying, I don't like, I don't like this. What I did like was the displays of class afterwards between the players. I get off on this stuff. Now, the NBA does not have the formal handshake line like hockey does, and I guess hockey, you wouldn't want guys skating all willy-nilly and bumping into each other. The NBA is more informal, but aside from LeBron, who's the worst loser in the league, who just stomps off the court and doesn't shake anyone's hand, doesn't give anyone else respect, pretty much every other player in this league will show their respect for the other team's stars and role players. And there was a great slow-motion shot of Giannis and KD hugging it out, full embrace. That is sports. That is beautiful. For a league which I have said is hard to love, and the NBA does make themselves so hard to love with so much stuff, which I'm not even going to get into, but you know what it is. That's a beautiful thing. I love to watch that. The exchange between P.J. Tucker and Durant's mom, who was sitting courtside. Durant's mom pulls her mask down for a moment and says, this isn't football. P.J. Tucker, who has been the absolute steal of the year. John Horace to the Bucks. Way to go. That deal was so good for him, and they said, look, he provides a grit and a toughness and a defense you're going to need when the playoffs come, and boom, here we are. Um, Where was I? Yeah, so that exchange. So P.J. Tucker, asked after Durant's mom says, this isn't football, Tucker just says, I love you. And then his mom says, I love you back too with a smile. I fucking love that stuff. Brooke Lopez slapped the logo on the way out of the building. As I said, the all-time leading scorer, and that's history. How about that? Hey, where's Kareem who said, nah, these bucks don't have it? Let's hear your apology. Hey, my guy, Aaron Torres, Fox Sports, I love you, man, but your whole same old bucks thing? I have to go check your Twitter timeline to see what you have to say now. And by the way, I think the counting helped Giannis at the free throw line. Worldwide Wob, who's a great follow on Twitter, big basketball fanatic, Rob Perez, a.k.a. Worldwide Wob. On Giannis free throws, referees, one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. Brooklyn crowd, one, two, three, four, 17. <laughs> I timed them. They were taking about 11 to 12 seconds each. They were about a second better than what they had been in games five and six, but they're still more than 10 seconds. But the league's going to give them some leeway on that. Oh, and one more thing. The fans at the Deer District, absolutely amazing. This franchise, the Bucks, has had have had many bad, really down years. They had a building that was old, and they needed to get a new one. There was talk that they may end up losing the team. They get away, they find a way to get the building built. It's spectacular. 
They get Giannis, they develop Giannis, and they keep Giannis. And now they're headed towards the Eastern Conference Finals against the Atlanta Hawks as the higher seed and as the betting favorite to win it all. If it doesn't happen, that'll be a new kind of heartbreak. But I love this perspective from Giannis himself, who really is like this golden child athlete, this amazingly intelligent and interesting background athlete who is, he's just a joy to watch. Here here he was talking about life. Oh, sorry. Damn it. See, all these things are up here. How you doing, everybody? Let me click that tab. That should take care of that. Do we still have sound? No, we don't. Okay, good. All right. Here was Giannis after the series talking about the bigger picture on things. Um, so what I mean by that is that we've all worked extremely hard to be in this moment. You know, and I'm not talking about basketball. I'm talking about life. You know, and uh, just being able to be in a position on the road, game seven, like you, like you watch this growing up on TV and see like the all-time greats going head-to-head in game seven and, uh, you know, getting big wins. So no matter what, you know, you lose the game. But at the end of the day, we worked extremely hard our whole life for this moment, right? So I wanted everybody to, to, to live up this moment, to, to feel this moment, to cherish this moment, you know, because we, we are built for this. That's why we are here. You know, no matter the pressure, no matter what's going on, we are built for this, right? So uh, believe, we believe in who we are. Uh, no matter what happens, win or lose, we're gonna stay together. And uh, we're just gonna go out there and compete. We are built for this. That is a beautiful thought from a beautiful man and one hell of a basketball player. Okay, let's pivot. Suns Clippers, game one, and Chris Paul is still in COVID jail. This despite the fact he was already vaccinated. Who knows if he's actually sick? I was stunned that they were going to keep him out of the game, but they did. And you know what Devin Booker said? He goes, don't worry, I got it. 40, 13, and 11. Clippers still without Kawhi. And the Suns take a 1-0 lead in the series. Now, Booker is awesome. There was a great clip of uh, Booker and a teammate walking down the tunnel after the game was over with their phone, FaceTiming Chris Paul, who was congratulating them on the win. That's great. Meanwhile, Terrence Mann had the game of his life on Saturday night, Saturday, no, Friday night, in their closeout game against the Utah Jazz. And this, again, is where the wonder and the splendor and the amazement of sports came flooding back this weekend. The Jazz are up 26, I believe it was, 25-26. And the Clippers just look like complete ass on their home court. And then the fourth quarter happened, and they started shooting threes, and they couldn't miss. And Terrence Mann... A second-round draft pick out of Florida State who had been a role player but was kind of coming on just a bit, who had been tabbed to jump in and play the role of Kawhi Leonard, one of the all-time greats, Hall of Famers. And he goes off for 39 points, including 7 of 10 shooting from 3. And you don't want to know more about this guy, Terrence Mann? He almost didn't 
perhaps make the NBA because his phone was down to 1%. Take a listen to this story about Terrence Mann at the draft combine in the NBA when he was in the G League. I was, uh, so the G League camp had just ended um, and they came out with the list and I wasn't on it. And I was on my way to the airport, uh, about an hour and a half drive, we were stuck in traffic. Uh, my phone's on 1%, so I'm telling everybody, you know, I'll text you when I land in Atlanta, because that's what I'm doing pre-draft. Um, so, you know, I'll text you when I land. So I'm getting through, my phone's on 1%. I got my, my ticket, I'm out to hand my bag over, and some random number's calling my phone. And I was like, oh, I might not answer it, random number, you know, don't want to answer random numbers. So uh, I ended up answering it. And ended up being an NBA, and they're like, where are you? We need you here. You got invited to the combine. And I was like, oh, well, I'm at the airport about to get on my flight. So I had to turn around, uh, take an hour and a half, you know, drive back to the hotel. <laughs> um, as soon as I hit end on the call, my phone died. So um, it was just God, you know, saving my battery for me for that call. That was fantastic to hear that story and to watch Terrence Mann. I was actually watching that game. I couldn't hear it. I was watching that game at this nice, fun little bar called the House of Heileman on Big Cedar Lake in Wisconsin. There was a three-piece band playing. People were drinking. It was a beautiful Wisconsin summer night. It was great to be out amongst people. No masks, no social distancing, live music, sports on TV, fans in the stands, on the sports, on TV that I'm watching. And I'm watching the Terrence Mann highlights, and I'm seeing his big smile and his teammates hugging him. And I've had a couple of drinks, I'll be honest. And uh, I'm feeling good. And I'm watching it, and it's just all, it's like flooding over me. The band, by the way, was playing Hollywood Nights by Bob Seger, which is a great song. And I thought kind of fitting that I'm watching the L.A. Clippers, Hollywood Nights. And it's such a good, high-energy, feel-good song. Is it a banger? No, it's not. I don't think so. I don't think it's a banger. It's a good song, though. And I'm watching Terrence Mann's joy and amazement of, holy shit, I just had 39 points and seven three-pointers was coupled with a tight shot. I don't know if you saw this. If you watched the game, if somebody else, if somebody else saw this, this is where the details in sports come out. It was of Terrence Mitchell, fantastic player. No, Terrence Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell, sorry. Terrence Mann, Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell for the Utah Jazz. Great player and a guy who kind of wears his emotions, I think, a bit on his face. They do a tight push-in of him as he's sitting, I think, on the scorer's bench during a break as the game is unraveling and it looks like the Jazz are going to cough up a 26-point lead to get bounced from the playoffs as the one seed in the West. And I'm telling you, that face on Donovan Mitchell was heartbreaking. It was gut-wrenching. He had this sort of, this sort of, you know that feeling? You're like, I, I can't believe this is happening. And I'm just like, holy shit. This is why we love sports. The beauty, the agony, the fact that things, things are so close either way in games and in life. It's Terrence Mann with 1% left on his phone picking it up from a random number to get on a plane to go back to the draft combine. Having the night of his life in a huge closeout game, it's Kevin Durant playing 53 minutes, hitting what would have been the game-winning three, but his two toes were on the line. That's 
how close things are. It's the good, it's the bad, it's everything else. And I'm not even, I haven't gotten yet to this amazing Ryan Pulak save. Islanders Lightning, by the way. Shout out to my hotel, which has a wonderful large flat screen, good solid cable, good Wi-Fi, but no NBC Sports Net or NBC, what is it, NBC Sports Network? Yeah, NBCSN. So I've missed a lot of the hockey, plus I've been so busy, I, 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 I don't really have that time. There's literally under five seconds left in a 3-2 game. Islanders leading at home, full barn, full-throated fans going nuts, which again is why we love sports. Thank God we're on the other side of COVID. Never again, by the way. And Ryan Pulak for the Islanders makes a barehanded, sliding across the crease save of what would have been an amazing Ryan McDonough spinorama goal to tie it up literally with seconds left. Here's what it said. Yes, it is. Amazing save. There's pictures of it, and people are saying, Islander fans, here's your Christmas card. Enjoy. Coupling that on the other side was Marc-Andre Fleury for Vegas, screwing up with two minutes to go, an easy play of the puck behind the net, goes through his legs, ends up in an easy punch-in goal for Montreal, which then goes on to win in overtime. Marc-Andre Fleury is one of the all-time greats. What a screw-up. Guess what? They came back tonight, and they won 2-1 in overtime. That series is tied 2-2. Oh, man, I am missing my hockey so much. For the one standing guard. For the eagle-eyed. For the knights in shining armor. And for all those who support them. We are Granger. Your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com slash safety or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Moms, at Vanguard, you're more than just a parent. You're the heart of the family. You're the first responder to any need. You can be the hero and the villain, sometimes on the same day. Because you know that in the end, Your legacy is the values you instill in them. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. Because the future you're building is bigger than yourself. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation. Distributor. With baseball in full swing and the NBA playoffs off to a hot start, you can make each and every series matter by having a little bit of something-something in the game with MyBookie.ag. Regardless of whether you're betting favorites or underdogs, player prop bets, or just looking to make some cash, MyBookie gives you tons of options to make all your favorite matches a hell of a lot more exciting. And if you're looking to bet for the first time but don't know what to bet on, we're here to help point you in the right direction. For example, say you see an NBA series in which the team that had been favored is suddenly down 0-1. But you know they're the better team. You know they're going to come back. But suddenly, the series price is a whole lot more attractive now that they're down 0-1. 
Well, go to mybookie.ag, fire in on that one, and make some sweet coin if it comes home. And if it doesn't, guess what? There's more NBA playoffs to come and football after that. Go to mybookie.ag, sign up now, and use promo code ZABE to get your first deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Let them know we sent you. Use our promo code ZABE to get that free deposit bonus and start your day off with a win. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie. Which brings us to John Rahm. John Rahm wins the U.S. Open birdieing 17 and 18 with two clutch curling putts that go straight, just buried. I mean, they weren't luck. They were great putts. And he was hitting lasers off the tee. He was dialed in. This is karma because John Rahm got fucked by our COVID voodoo going on in this country right now by many organizations who should know better. Fitting, appropriate too, that he would win this thing. What a tournament it was, given that there's rarely that many players in contention at a U.S. Open on Sunday. But there was, midway through the round, at Torrey Pines. And then, all hell broke loose. Literally all hell broke loose. We had... John, we, we had Bryson DeChambeau nearly making an ace. He takes the lead at five under. He's on a roll, defending champion, and he falls apart on the back nine. Shoots 44 coming in. Hits shanks. Blades stuff out of the bunker. I mean, I'm telling you, somewhere Brooks Kepka is drinking a Michelob Ultra and laughing his ass off. You had that. You had a streaker. Well, not a streaker, but he had a fan somehow sneak a golf club into the course. Where's security on that? And run out of the fairway with two golf balls, some silly little outfit, and hit two shots off the cliff into the ocean, which, by the way, with a pretty good swing, and then gets tackled by security. One of uh, DeChambeau's shots, by the way, came to rest against an empty box of Amstel Light, an empty 12-er of Amstel Light. Again, How'd they get up that on the course? So that happens. You have um, the kid, uh, uh, who is it? Uh, Mackenzie Hughes have a ball hit the cart path, bounce up into a tree, and stay in the tree. He ends up wiping out and gets crashes and burns. Rory crash and burn. It was like Talladega. But here comes down the stretch, Louis Oosthuizen in the lead. Rom goes birdie, birdie to finish. He's one shot ahead. Louis got a couple holes left. Nobody doesn't love Louis Oosthuizen. He is the Alfred E. Newman of the PGA Tour. He is the most chill South African player ever. He's got an incredibly perfect swing, by the way, for a short guy. He has a major championship in the uh, British Open. But he's also been runner-up a ton of times, and he now has the career grand slam of second-place finishes in these majors. He is known to love being a farmer and just working with farm equipment. He once took a bulldozer as first prize for winning a tournament instead of the first-place check because I guess the tournament sponsor, this was in a tournament in like South Africa, the tournament sponsor was like a heavy machinery company. He goes, just pay me in bulldozer. Because I like to have, I like to noodle around with these on my property. I don't 
want to sit here and go, oh, he doesn't care about not he doesn't care about losing. He's that's the kind of guy he is. No. It's just he projects a vibe as if he doesn't care if he wins. I'm sure he grinds hard out there internally to try to win, but he seems to be the Susan Lucci of the PGA Tour these days. Comes to 17, very birdieable, birdieable par four, tons of room to the right, and instead pulls his tee shot left, two hops into the barranca, misses the putt for par, and that's the tournament. Incredible, though, uh, the U.S. Open, and a couple things to talk about it. First of all, the USGA is a bunch of pussies. They limited the amount of fans in attendance because, ooh, COVID. We want to be sensitive. Even in California, which would have allowed more fans to come, they out-Californiaed California, did the USGA. That's pretty fucking weak. How's Torrey Pines as a major championship venue? I say, eh, not so much. I think the course is highly overrated. As a muni, it's spectacular. And if you live in San Diego County, you can apparently get on for dirt cheap. Hard to get a tea time, but your price to pay it is really cheap. As my dad would say, it's like welfare for the rich. If you want to play it as a tourist, oh yeah, you're going to pay several hundred dollars. It just, I can't tell one hole from the next, basically. I, I don't know which one's which. Yeah, the views are great. Oh, look, there's a guy on a hang glider. Great. Could you do that somewhere else? Kind of distracting, actually. There's very few trees. It's just, meh. It's the second U.S. Open they've had there. The first one, of course, in 2008, Tiger Woods, epic, legendary. And I think they went back to it because, hey, the last time we had it here, it turned out really good. It was very exciting. But think about this. If Tiger doesn't pull those heroics, then your winner of the Torrey Pines U.S. Open was Rocco Mediate. That's probably not a great argument for it being a major championship venue. Here's my take on the U.S. Open. I'll say it again. I've said it before. Be who you are. For example, the British Open or Open Championship is contested over Lynx courses in the U.K., in Britain and Scotland, and more recently in Northern Ireland, and they play them on Lynx courses. Do you know what percentage of courses in the UK are true Lynx courses, meaning by the sea with no trees whatsoever? I think it's like 10%. 90% of the courses in the UK are of all different variety, including some parkland courses, where yes, they have trees and other stuff that looks a lot more like America. They don't take them to those courses over there, even though they could. You know why? Because the British Open or Open Championship is true to who it is and what it is. The USGA should get off this notion of, oh, we want to take it to public courses, public access. Like Bethpage and Torrey and the godforsaken Chambers Bay. No. Get back to the Northeast and Midwest country clubs. The elite country clubs. Yes, I said it. Oh, elitist. Get back to those with the ribbon fairways, the big trees, the lightning fast greens, the dog losing rough, and be who you are. Basically, the uh, this year's U.S. Open did not score almost any different from the Farmers 
Insurance Open, which is where they hold a tour event. I also don't think the I don't think the U.S. Open should be played on venues that are regular tour events. It should be something special. So, eh, I'm not a fan of Tory, but whatever. What else? The streaker. I mentioned that ball in the tree. Got that. Bryson's 44. Got that. Oh, let's talk about the television. Boy, does NBC run a lot of commercials. And boy, isn't it annoying to have to watch things that are important happening on 16% of your screen with no audio as they're playing a commercial. Now, I get it that at least seeing the playing through is better than not seeing what's happening at all. But part of me thinks it might actually be worse. We're pre- I would say we're probably at the point now in America where they should offer a subscription for X number of dollars for twenty nine ninety five, you can watch. <clears throat> excuse me, you can watch the tournament without any commercial interruptions whatsoever on Saturday and Sunday. You'll get the announcers; they'll announce straight on through, and you'll get no commercials. By the way, NBC did go commercial free late in the broadcast, so they kind of bragged about it. Like, okay, we front loaded all the spots. Now, you know, we can go commercial free. I understand you got to have commercials to pay for the whole damn thing because it's very expensive, and that's how. Everyone makes their money, but I'm not sure it's working out. My man Charch even tweeted, who's not a huge golf fan, is anyone else having the same issue I'm having with DirecTV? I can't seem to watch more than four shots without getting a commercial. (laughs) People just bombarded Charch like, no, it's not you, man. It's how they present it on NBC. It's brutal. It's terrible. That said, they've got good technology on NBC for the most part. I like the overall way they produce the tournament. There was a lot of shots. It went quick. It wasn't sitting there and showing stalker porn of the leaders as they lined up a putt and had the commenters, uh, had, had the uh, commentators. Oh, oh, look at this. And he's lining it up right now. That said, the announcers are great. The announcers are great. You add Faraday and you add Azinger to an already solid broadcast team minus Johnny Miller. I think the NBC announcers are damn near a dream team. So there's that. Okay, let me get one more thing in here before I'm out this morning, as I appreciate you hanging with me. Going to be an interesting production schedule of podcasts this week. I have some offbeat podcasts coming. You may like them. You may hate them. You may love them. You may loathe them. I don't know exactly how they're going to fall. What is it I'm looking for right here? Hold on a second. Oh, here it is. Headline. Washington football team trademark in jeopardy after patent ruling goes against Dan Snyder's club. (laughs) Without getting too deep in the weeds of what the nature of the ruling was, from what I read, it's like, a guy owns the patent for Washington football team and variants of it. And the trademark court or the patent judge or whatever it was looked at the case and they told the team, the artist formerly known as the Redskins, yeah, sorry, you you don't get this trademark. Someone else has it. They're using it. That's how it works. But wait, 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 wait. He's not using it. He's just squatting on it. The, the court and the judge said differently. 
And there was seemingly this push towards, we might just stay the Washington football team. Hell, we've done it for a year. By the way, I thought that would have been disastrous. In a way, I'm kind of glad about this ruling, but man, does it make them look stupid. And this is what happens when you make knee-jerk decisions hastily without thinking them through. When you're like, oh my God, there's protests and everything, and now they're looking at us. Uh, uh, uh. Log off your computer and say, who's going to make us change our name? What, is the NFL going to prevent us from playing? No, we're not going to be panicked into making a huge franchise decision based on the current hysteria of the moment. So the woofed moniker is going to go probably because of nothing else. They can't get the trademark to it. So maybe I'm glad about that when it's all said and done. But man, this whole rebrand is getting worse. And um, yeah, not real happy about it, to say the least. All right, that'll be it for me tonight. Sorry for the somewhat haphazard nature of tonight's podcast. I had so many things I was chasing. I've got four sticky notes full of handwritten notes. I've got a bunch of stuff written down on my Evernote thing. I've got sound I've pulled. I feel a bit distracted. I'm a bit overwhelmed, but I'm back, baby. Back with the Zabecast on a Monday morning as I'm here for week number two in Milwaukee as the Bucks get ready for game one Wednesday night against the Atlanta Hawks downtown. And who knows where I'm going to be with Josh and Gitter. We'll figure it out. I've already had one invite to actually go inside the building. I'm very lucky to have gotten that. I don't know if I should take it because then I'm leaving my friends behind. We'll see about that. But with baseball in full swing and the NBA playoffs off to a hot start, you can make each and every series matter by having a little bit of something-something in the game with mybookie.ag. Regardless of whether you're betting favorites or underdogs, player prop bets, or just looking to make some cash, MyBookie gives you tons of options to make all your favorite matches a hell of a lot more exciting. And if you're looking to bet for the first time but don't know what to bet on, we're here to help point you in the right direction. For example, say you see an NBA series in which the team that had been favored is suddenly down 0-1. But you know they're the better team. You know they're going to come back. But suddenly, the series price is a whole lot more attractive now that they're down 0-1. Well, go to mybookie.ag, fire in on that one, and make some sweet coin if it comes home. And if it doesn't, guess what? There's more NBA playoffs to come in football after that. Go to mybookie.ag, sign up now, and use promo code ZABE to get your first deposit matched halfway up to $1,000. Let them know we sent you. Use our promo code ZABE to get that free deposit bonus and start your day off with a win. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with mybookie. Sports was awesome this weekend, wasn't it, kids? And I enjoyed it. I hope you did as well. Thanks for listening, and thank you for downloading. Have yourself a great Monday, and we will see you next time. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now get any breakfast sandwich for just two bucks. Available only through the app. Mobile order and pay available at participating McDonald's. McD app download and registration required. Grandparents, at Vanguard, you're more than just a grandparent. 
You're the family historians. You fill your closets with heirlooms, family photos, and letters from long ago. You're always planning the next family reunion, even at the reunion. Because for you, time well spent is time spent on them. At Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. Because the future you're building is bigger than yourself. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor.